Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, welcome to Journeys in Faith here on this Friday evening. It's wonderful to be here with you. This is Andy Santis here on Fiat Ministry Network. And I have a wonderful guest this evening, a good friend as well. Her name is Christina Simmons, and she's with SayYesToHoliness.com. So, Christina, thank you so much for joining us. No, not at all. Thank you for having me, Anne, uh, particularly on this great solemnity of the Feast of St. Joseph um, in, during this year of St. Joseph. So I, I'm just so happy that I'm able to be here with you and your audience. Yes, we're grateful to you as well. And as you're right, it is the solemnity of the Feast of St. Joseph. And uh, we have so much to talk about. But this show is called Journeys in Faith. Mm-hmm. And we usually start out with the journeys of those who are guests on, on our show. So if you could take some time and just take us through a little bit of the path that you've been on and share with us your spirituality and your mission. Well, um, just like everyone, uh, it's been a journey. So I'm now into my fifth decade of, of life. Um, and uh, just as God uh, does uh, with all of us, even if we're not aware of it, he always is present, is always inviting us to go deeper. Um, for me, when I was younger, I was raised Presbyterian. And um, I, I really immersed myself in scripture, uh, loved to the Bible stories and uh, and really enjoyed them was very active um, until I uh, became a, a teenager and then I ran into what I, I described the the human face of uh, of the body of Christ of where uh, you know some some not so nice uh, Christians and uh, became very disenchanted um, and also with uh, what. You know, and, and when we're teenagers, we, we tend to be uh, extremely black and white. But what, what I deem the hypocrisy of those who claimed one thing on Sundays and then I saw what they were doing during the week. And so by the time I went to college, uh, pretty much I was um, a agnostic. Um, it was like, I know there's something around, but, you know, for, but for a personal relationship, uh, you know, of really being close with, uh, with, with my savior. And that, that was not there. Um, I experienced a lot of different things in my life growing up. Uh, one of which, uh, and all of us have these deep wounds, uh, in our lives, but God will work through them. But, uh, my biological father, um, was not a part of my life. Uh, pretty much he rejected me. Um, and, you know, later I came to find out a little bit more cause I'm in touch with my, uh, aunt and uncle. Um, and, uh, my biological father, he was an alcoholic. He struggled a great deal. And his choice for not being uh, engaged in my life was he thought it was better for me if he wasn't. Um, and, uh, and that's something that I, I share with, with men that I speak to at different times of where it's like, regardless of the issues that you have, to be a part of your child's life for no other reason than to say, I love you, I care for you, and in my own wounded way, I'm going to try and be present to you is far more important than to quote, you know, say, oh, it's better if I'm not around. That's actually um, a very selfish uh, way to kind of approach things, but I digress. So, um, so for the most part, um, I was pretty much convinced that I kind of had to do things on my own. Um, I had to rely on myself, couldn't count on anyone else, and uh, go off to college, which happened to be Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, a Jesuit university. A lot of people ask me, how is it that you being one, I wasn't raised Catholic, you're not Catholic, and number two, um, you're not a, you know, you're not believing in God. How is it that you end up in Marquette? And, and I joke and say, well, hand to God, number one, but uh, looking back, I can see that. But number two, uh, it would have to be the fact that um, liberal arts education was huge uh, in my in my family. Uh, my family comes from, actually, I was born in New York, outside New York City in Rockland County in Nyack. And uh, even though by the time I went to college, I was coming out of South Florida, uh, where we had moved when I was nine, the importance of education was huge. So at the time, uh, you know, I had looked at Boston College and, you know, um, and all the other, you know, the Loyolas, et cetera. And at the time, Marquette was 
dirt cheap in comparison to all the other Jesuit schools. So it was almost like for half price, but even at half price, it was out of my, out of my league and my, my family's uh, financial ability, but I won a uh, four-year Army ROTC scholarship, and so I was able to go to my dream school. So I show up on campus, and um, I'm an Army ROTC student as well as, um, you know, there at the time, I thought I was going to uh, become a, uh, a history teacher, which eventually I do in my life, but um, you know, arrive on campus and I'm not a, uh, you know, practicing anything. Uh, and then God uses a person. And in this uh, case, it was a, a very uh, wonderful Jesuit priest who lived, uh, he was the uh, campus minister within our dorm, uh, within our residence hall, and uh, connected with Father Mike uh, over football. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears. This is 1986 when the Chicago Bears had their run and, and won their uh, Super Bowl um, and Refrigerator Perry and, you know, all of those guys. And uh, so, but but anyway, uh, he was a loyal Green Bay Packers fan. He comes down and uh, he, just, he just pops himself down in the middle of uh, the TV room with, with all of us girls because it was an all-female dorm. And he's rooting for the Packers. And I just remember, man, th this is, you know, Interesting. Well, it also turned out that that Mike was also the chaplain for the Army ROTC program, and he also was a history professor, which I was majoring in. So there was a whole bunch of different cross, you know, uh, cross sections and intersections there. But what developed over time was just a beautiful friendship. Um, and you know, looking back, I can see the pattern of where. He, you know, got to know me, you know, he made a friend, he was that friend, and he brought me to Christ eventually, not by ever asking me, hey, why don't you come to Mass, but rather, you know, he had Mass and anyone was welcome, and, uh, you know, so eventually I just started coming and being present, and I know now that it was the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, um, his real presence there that had a transformative effect. But <clears throat> the biggest thing was, is that at the end of my freshman year um, at uh, on Good Friday, uh, really had that profound personal encounter with him. Uh, and uh, a friend, uh, you know, invited me because uh, I didn't go home for the Easter break. It was, uh, I was coming from South Florida, it was too far. And she invited me to, uh, she's like, hey, what are you doing this Friday? And I'm like, nothing. She's like, why don't you come to Good Friday service with me? You know, then we'll go get something to eat. Well, you know, knowing what I know now, uh, the uh, the fact of we're going to go get something to eat after Good Friday service is, is kind of funny. But, uh, but it was the invitation. And I went over, she was ushering. So we went over a little early. And uh, Jesu Church, which is on Marquette's campus, is one of those grand um, cathedrals, I mean, equivalent, uh, but just it was a normal church uh, in downtown Milwaukee. So you have the lower church and the upper church. So you go up these stairs to get into the upper church, and they used a life-size cross for veneration. So down at the front was this huge life-size cross. And I just remember coming up the stairs and kind of starting to walk towards, you know, the where the pews are. And I couldn't get any farther than the last pew. Um, I just was overwhelmed um, with an awareness of Jesus's presence. Um, so I, I just sat in the in the last pew and I just kind of sat there and, and I could and I could feel this 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 love and and I was just like you know this isn't this isn't real I'm just kind of imagining it and it was just like but in the midst of that I said Lord you know uh, Jesus you know uh, I'm not worthy you know hmm. and it was that whole thing of where he said and I know he says it to other everyone um, but he he said Christina, even if you had been the only one, I would have died for you. That's how much I love you. And it was just to be flooded with that love, with that knowledge of, um, <clears throat> and uh, life hasn't been the same ever since. So uh, then it became 
uh, for me, I, res I, I come at uh, God with my head. So then it became, uh, I, I uh, joke and tell people I read myself into the church because uh, I, at the time, was uh, thinking, okay, well, I'm going to go practice, you know, uh, become, you know, active in Presbyterian faith, etc. Um, and uh, had that intention, but then uh, ran into uh, John of the Cross along the way, uh, his ascent to truth. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, it, it's something of where uh, I, I literally, I was just like, this is what I've been looking for, that integration of whole life living there's not this you do it on sunday you do something else the rest of the week or it's you know it's kind of like a highly suggested it was very apparent to me in the scriptures uh that uh jesus wasn't making suggestions he was saying this isn't how you need to live um and so i wanted a place where i could do that and uh i uh read and you know of course i'm at marquette so i end up i'm double majoring in history and theology and minoring in military science so i've got great stories of uh, as i'm getting my theology degree and i'm in my you know we had to wear our army uniform a couple times a week on campus <clears throat> and uh, one of the classes i took was theology of nonviolence, and i'm having to sit there in my army uniform as we're talking theology of nonviolence. so the uh, the little bit of dichotomy but it was um, a beautiful time for me to grow in my faith. Um, actually, it was something that kind of informed me, and it was just kind of the way things are done. And we've talked many times, Anne, about uh, ministry and how we can be encountering people better. Uh, so uh, it was sophomore year, January, I come back after Christmas break, and I'm firmly convinced I want to become Catholic. <clears throat> so I go to the parish there on campus, and I'm told, come back in September when we do RCIA. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But I was blessed in that because of my friendship. And by this time I had um, additional friends uh, within the, uh, the university ministry community um, that they accompanied me during that time. So it wasn't like, hey, I come and I want to begin preparation, but rather I would, had people who could accompany me. And so that very much has informed my own ministry and my own efforts and remembering that when the Holy Spirit stirs up a heart, you need to be there to accompany them, regardless of whether or not it's inconvenient <clears throat> or doesn't fit into your cycle of what you think ministry should do. Um, but also it, it, it reminds me all the time that it's a journey again, you know, I, I love the fact of journeys of faith um, and that we need to be walking with one another throughout, regardless of where we are. Um, so, uh, but kind of finish up the, you know, the story a little bit. Um, you know, so I came into the church on March 25th, 1989 um, and uh, Easter vigil uh, because of uh, misunderstandings about different things of baptism and not certain that my baptism was a valid form. Uh, I was uh, I was baptized, full immersion baptism. Um, and uh, so those are some of the uh, most profound and powerful memories that I have of uh, full immersion baptism. Um, I was blessed on, on that at the time at Marquette, both Rock O'Connor, Father Rock O'Connor, and Dan Schutte, uh, who are very popular musicians, they were both a part of the choir and on campus. And so I was baptized with Dan Schutte uh, singing You Are uh, God's Work of Art. <clears throat> and then the, the profound, beautiful uh, music that was done uh, transitioning from Vini Sancte Spiritus into the glory to God. Um, it, it's something that uh, I've never heard or seen it done anywhere in the world as well as it was done. And, uh, you know, there, and I, and I've looked, especially with YouTube and that kind of thing. And, uh, but, but anyway, so profoundly powerful. Um, that all being said, um, you know, I was practicing my faith coming to mass, <clears throat> was going to daily mass when I could, went into the military, uh, when I graduated and, you know, out into the real world. And what my experience was and what I realized is that although I had been formed in the sense of to receive the sacraments, I had not been formed 
um, you know, so that my faith truly was integrated into my daily life. Uh, my moral life was a mess. Um, and I was very, very worldly view. And I look at it and I see that this was three years. Um, so I graduated in 90. So, um, but I was brought in church in 89. That was four years before the catechism showed up, which gave us a very, you know, uh, you might say easy entry point into knowing what the life, moral life of the church was, especially. Um, I was very well versed because I was at a university in social justice. Um, so that part of the need to serve and to be doing the corporal spiritual works of mercy um, of that idea of pouring ourselves out for others, for the good of others, was very much ingrained. But on a personal level, it wasn't present. So I would say that, uh, you know, uh, in the next decade, um, I kind of lived as a, not as a C&E Catholic, but as kind of a Sunday Catholic. Um, and if it was convenient, I went. If it wasn't, you know, and I didn't think anything about it. Um, I didn't see that this was a disconnect, um, you know, because uh, I, I would be attentive even if I wasn't going to Mass. I would still be attentive of spending time, you know, with God. But my, uh, my daily prayer was pretty much non-existent. Um, and uh, so over the course of the next decade, you know, kind of typical 20-something, uh, kind of, uh, you know, living a worldly life and showing up in the pew and, uh, you know, and being present um, and not seeing the, uh, the disconnect there. Uh, another profound, uh, you know, movement, and I look back, was uh, in doing the spiritual exercises in daily life, and that was in uh, 2001. And it's fascinating to me, um, God had kind of reached out prior to 9-11 happening. So I'm in the midst of having just begun uh, this journey and 9-11 happens and the world is changing. And um, I'm going through this deeply profound experience of encountering my Lord, coming to know him more deeply and, uh, and, and the invitation to go deeper. And I was still in the military um, I was in the, I was an active reservist. So, um, but I was different than the one week in a month. I actually had a job that I worked in the history office for. Um, it actually began as uh, space command, then became strategic command, and then became northern command over a course of three years. But uh, during that time frame, um, the world shifted because of 9-11. And, uh, you know, I was being promoted and different things going on. But um, in light of my, you know, experience, you know, throughout the course of 2001-2002, I decided to pursue my master's degree in theology. Um, I linked up with uh, Catholic Distance University, which is based out of Arlington, uh, Virginia, and uh, partially that was because they were the only ones who at the time had a catechetical certificate from, uh, from the Vatican to be able to form people. And, uh, and they were doing distance learning. So I could do it because I knew, because uh, my husband at the time, uh, you know, my still husband, but my husband at the time, his work was such that I knew that we might have to move. And we eventually did. We, we moved to Alabama. Um, but uh, into that, you know, I began pursuing my master's uh, degree. And uh, then uh, the, the next big piece was being introduced in an intentional way. Uh, to the theology of John Paul II. Um, and, uh, and of course, he's most famous for his theology of the body, but his own approach of phenomenology, of, you know, the, the importance of the person, the uh, just so many different things that we now look at and we go, well, yeah, uh, we're supposed to be doing this, but particularly holistic formation, which, of course, he addressed primarily for priestly formation, but the fact is, is that the church has always said that this is what we should all be about. Um, and, you know, just on a personal note, uh, you know, digress a little bit. In my personal opinion, what's going on now in our church is our opportunity, especially with the rise of the, um, of our Latino brothers and sisters of, you know, they're coming forward. I was a part of the fifth encuentro. Um, and there's a great thirst and desire for formation, holistic formation to be accompanied, uh, to be able to uh, be a part, uh, a more active part of the body of Christ. 
and I look back historically, you know, being that historian piece, and look back at the Second Vatican Council and what I see happened, and it was not intentional, but it was, hey, the role of the laity, we're supposed to be more involved, how do we become involved? And people came forward and said, what do we do? And the response was, oh, well, you do what the priests and the religious sisters are doing without mm -hmm. recognizing that the vocation of the laity is intrinsically different because we're supposed to be in the world um, and we're not supposed to go and become little monks or little priests or, you know, um, and, but anyway, uh, so what happened was is that people would come and say, I want to learn more. And people were told to go get theology degrees instead of being taught how to pray and how to be present within their family and to uh, help one another, you know, your spouse become a saint, um, because that's our primary vocation. We, we, we become married so that we can help our spouse. We love them. We will the good of the other, and we help them become saints. And the same way, children, if they're you know, gifted, you know, great, you know, we're given those graces, were to help them in the same way. So, um, so into the midst of all of that, you know, so the spiritual exercise has been profoundly important. Um, John Paul II, Theology of the Body, and it was encountering his Theology of the Body in particular uh, that I came to realize how uh, disordered my personal life was. Um, I was highly involved in ministry. I was doing different things um, and uh, all the things I thought I should be doing, but I was living a worldly life. Um, and uh, so I, I smile because the irony of my own judgment of others when I was a teen of look at the, you know, look, look at this, you know, um, hypocrisy. And then I was able to see I was doing it in my own life. Uh, so then setting about um, pretty much a a decade long again of, okay, so I know my call is to holiness. How do I go about that? What do I do? And how do I go about that? And so again, dove deep into church tradition, uh, formation. Uh, a huge piece of that was um, being a part of the uh, spiritual mentorship, uh, Catholic spiritual mentorship program, which is out of the School of Faith in the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. Um, and uh, that, that was a huge kind of helping me integrate piece, which uh, then led to uh, also my involvement with the Apostles of Interior Life, uh, experiencing their charism. And so end uh, result is now a decade later and from my own ministry experiences and my own journey, <clears throat> I'm now doing what I'm doing, which is um, helping people, one, hear the call because many people out there are not aware that your call is to become a saint that is your primary call that call to holiness or if they have so many people don't know what to do or how to do it or that's even possible so that's why i, I share what i do at say yes to holiness um is really focusing upon being able to give people what they need so that they're able to respond to god's great invitation and for us to become the saints that God created us to be and to embrace that life uh, that, that he created us for. And uh, so that's what ended up with my book um, is kind of compiling that as, you know, it, I joke and I tell people, it's not a primer of everything you need to know, um, but it is a primer of an entry point of it gives you the foundation you need so that as you spend the rest of your life doing those different pieces, you know what you're supposed to be about. So you got the puzzle pieces there, but then God helps you put them together in your particular way. Oh, awesome. You know, I love to hear your faith journey because I've heard a little bit of it before. We've I've interviewed with you before, but every time you talk to someone and hear their faith journey, you hear something new. So mm -hmm. that was great to hear. And, mm -hmm. and God has certainly brought you on to this beautiful journey with its ups and downs. But at the end mm -hmm. of the day, right, you are right where he wants you, I think, right at this point in your yeah. life. You've said yes to holiness, but you continue to say yes to holiness. Um, as far as your book, tell us the title and where they can purchase it. 
Uh, very simply, it's uh, say yes, discovering purpose, peace, and abundance in daily life. Um, and if you flip it over, you'll see it's in Spanish. So actually, it looks like it's a thick book, but it's actually only half of this. But you can find it at, at my website. Uh, you can actually go and get it there. And then you can get an autographed copy, which I'll mail to you. Um, but you can get it on Amazon. Um, it actually, I need to send out uh, this, but after four months of uh, battling, uh, you know, intentionally, it's finally available on Audible. Uh, so it's an audiobook, and uh, so I, I do read it. Um, and so it's available as a Kindle book, as, you know, uh, paperback, um, hardback, and then, of course, as Audible. So. Well, I'm glad to hear it's on Audible because I love Audible and I'll have to get it on Audible. So thank you so much. Now, we do have to take a short break. Sure. So we will be back here in just a few minutes on Journeys in Faith. Mm -hmm. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I, I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life, I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. But, uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it, honey. You've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. So we are called to sing. All of us are called to sing. All of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for. Through the harmony or unison, we're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide. What are you gonna participate in? Are you gonna participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not? Hi, my name is Ann DeSantis, and I'm the director for the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. You can learn about us on our website at nonatus.org. I'm here to tell you today about two great podcasts that I hope that you will tune in. The first Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock, we have a podcast specifically for Catholics affected by divorce. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, go to Philly Nonatus on YouTube to subscribe. In addition, we also have a podcast the last Thursday of every month. That's also at 8 o'clock Eastern Time for one hour. 
and that one is for families in crisis. We have some really great guests coming up soon, so hope to see you then. Please also consider the fact that you can make spiritual direction appointments with us, with our spiritual moderator. All you need to do is go to our website on the contact form and just reach out to us. We'd be happy to hear from you and look forward to setting up an appointment. So we'd love to connect with you. Please share this video and let people know that we're there for families affected by divorce and also families in crisis. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here on Journeys in Faith. We're back again after the commercial break. Good to be here with you. And as I said at the beginning, I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Christina Simmons of Say Yes to Holiness. It's sayyestoholiness.com. And during the first half of the show, she shared with us her own faith journey. It was really incredible to hear how God has brought Christina where she is right now. Uh, living her daily journey as an author, a speaker, and also as a, a minister, really, of sorts, uh, to people who are trying to get closer to God and find his, their mission. Mm -hmm. So before we had our conversation about this show, I know we were going to talk a little bit also about this whole idea of uh, the consecration to St. Joseph and the mm -hmm. fact that here we are, you know, the solemnity of St. Joseph. Let's talk about the importance of it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I dive into that very briefly by, you know, stressing the importance of Marian consecration. Mm -hmm. So uh, just as Jesus entrusted, you know, his mother to us and gave us his mother, uh, he is, and, and given her, you know, as mediatrix of all graces, given her great privileges, um, you know, within the economy of salvation, you know, within helping us become the saints that he created us to be. He's done similarly for St. Joseph, but for so long, St. Joseph, just like he's the silent man in scripture, we never hear him speak anything, but rather, you know, we hear of his response of how it is, you know, every time that he was confronted with uh, a great challenge or uh, something, you know, uh, to use terms, uh, you know, in the secular world, a disturbance in the force, um, you know, for, for his experience. But the fact is, is that his response always was deep prayer and meditation. Uh, he was called a, a just man. And, um, you know, so he obviously had a deep and profound interior life. And we see that in that God was able to speak to him through his dreams. And he didn't wake up and forget about them and go, oh, it's just a dream. Rather, he took it as seriously as it was, which is, I need to be obedient. I heard, you know, obedier, you know, obedient to, you know, is the root. And he and he heard and he responded. And so for us to consecrate ourselves to him, to look to him as that model of obedience and justice and also providential care for God. You know, he, he was in, he was given that mission to care for God here on earth. So Mary was, was forming him and was in intimate union with him. And Joseph was too. One of the uh, most beautiful prayers uh, that have been part of the novena leading up to uh, this has been, of course, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, you know, um, you know, I, I surrender myself to you, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, be with me, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, especially at my, uh, be with me in my final agony, and then be with me at, you know, at my death. And it's that idea of Joseph was always with Jesus and Mary. And so he gives us being fully human as well, but he did have sin in his life. We don't know exactly what, but we know that it was present because he's not immaculate as Mary was. So Joseph gives us a beautiful model of how it is that when we allow God to direct us and to be obedient to him, then what happens is a truly profound life, even in the midst of great challenges and difficulties. Um, you know, you think about all of how Joseph, you know, being the man of the household, he was supposed to be, provide for the family. And God goes, oh, by the way, I want you to leave everything that you know, and I want you to go to a different country, and I want you to provide for your family there. Yeah, really. <laughs> no, no notice. Just go. And it's like, okay, how long am I going to be there? And God's like, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, but, the, but the trust, um, you know, that, 
that uh, that that is present. Um, so uh, I, I just know that the consecration allows us to be able to say, Jesus, you know, I'm going to trust your, you know, uh, earthly father, just like you did to care, help care for me, just as he cared for you. Um, and I think anytime that we're very intentional about inviting uh, the communion of saints more profoundly to act in our lives, nothing but good comes out of it. So, um, so, so that's kind of my thoughts on the importance of the consecration. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it's wonderful that we're able to talk about it, especially right here on this particular day. Oh, yeah. Um, and I wondered also, you and I had dialogued a little bit, and you, you mentioned something about the work in the vineyard, that mm. part of that whole idea with St. Joseph was, you know, also St. Joseph the worker, right? right? And that we all have our vocations, not just our vocations of service, whether it be marriage or the, the consecrated or religious life or um, single, but the fact that we also have, you know, occupations too, where we can bring mm -hmm. in Christ. So I thought, if, wondered if you could talk a little bit about that, because you do a lot of spiritual direction and speaking mm -hmm. with people uh, and, and talking to them about where they are in their own lives and how they can bring their faith into the mm -hmm. vineyard more. Yeah, I, I think probably one of the biggest things is, is that, um, and when you look statistically at our young adults right now, is that um, in our world, there's a lot of searching for what's our purpose, what's our mission. And the fact is, is that God gives us a threefold mission. Um, and we talk vocation in church. And unfortunately, I'd say, especially within our American church, uh, when someone says vocation, we immediately think, well, I don't want to be a priest or religious, therefore it doesn't apply to me. But the fact is, is that there's a threefold layer of vocation that God gives to all of us. That first is that call to holiness. That is our primary vocation. I need to strive to try and become perfect like my heavenly father is perfect. So that's our first layer of the vocation is I have to be responding to that. And that's when I talk about the four steps to holiness to people. You got to be doing that daily prayer and meditation. You got to be frequenting the sacraments to live that life of grace. You got to be striving daily to grow in virtue so that that way you can do the good easily, quickly, and promptly and with joy. And then finally, learning to abandon ourselves to God's will um, as we grow in trust and faith and his plan for our life. So, um, so that first call to holiness we need to respond to. And then the second layer is what most people, as I was saying, associate vocation with, that state of life. Um, and God reveals that to us over time. So often young people will be like, well, I don't know my vocation yet. <clears throat> excuse me. And it's like, yeah, you do. It's to become a saint. And then in the process of becoming a saint, you know, striving for it, God will reveal what your state of life is going to be. How are you going to be particularly in his kingdom, living a particular state of life to be able to either image, you know, his life here on earth and remind us that everything is about, you know, it, it is preparing us for heaven, which our priests do. Our religious sisters also do that. And, you know, in, in, in their intercessory prayer and sacrificing for us and reminding us again that we are to be brides or, you know, the, the spouses of Christ. And then finally, you know, as married people and as single people, and I, and I say finally, because they're, intricately related um, because we need, you know, the, a, the example of couples as much as we need the examples of single adults who are living integrated holistic lives because you can't enter into a marriage, a good, holy, and healthy marriage unless you yourself are, are pursuing holiness and are healthy. So someone else isn't going to complete you. So for us to enter into, into matrimony, we need to be living as good, you know, faithful single adults. And then we're preparing ourselves to enter into marriage if God brings that person. But that state of life. And then the third, and this is where we tend to miss the boat. And it's that personal mission. It's a unique and unrepeatable mission that no one else can do. Why? Because no one else is who you are, what you are, where you are. In Curcio, 
they talk about the movable square meter and that's a concept of where of of that wherever it is that you go you have a movable square meter you know the idea of like a hula hoop wherever you go that's where christ is and that's your movable square meter so you're taking christ to people in your movable square meter and into that is your personal mission where only you can express how it is that the good news has happened in your life of how it is that Christ is working in your life continuously and, you know, and living it out so people can see the difference that he makes. Um, and in the midst of that, you have particular talents, your personality, your motivations, your uh, temperament, you, you know, all of these different things make up what you are. And, you know, those gifts and those talents then perfectly prepare you for where you are to be able to engage with people in the way that God has created you to do. So our personal mission is going to be informed by all of those. It's an integrated whole. So as I'm, you know, pursuing, you know, sanctity in a particular state of life, and then, you know, what, what you know, who am I? So we have to come to knowledge of ourselves. We only do that in, in relationship with knowledge of, of God and who we are. So we have to know who we are or more, you know, more uh, accurately whose we are is what I talk about. And then when we come to that understanding of whose we are as beloved sons and daughters, then we come to realize I have something to offer the world. And it doesn't have to be power, you know, money or influence, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, or, or having, you know, uh, riches or anything like that, what the world thinks is important. Rather, what's important is how is God asking me to be his presence of love and mercy in the world? In my own little movable square meter, what is God asking me to do? And this is where the, you know, the, the teachings of St. Therese of Lisieux are so important and the little way where it's like my kind word to someone where I'm just devaluing it because the world's like, what, what's that mean? You know, what does that do? You know, you, you, you touch one person, big deal. No, it's the ripple in the pond of where everything we do matters. And when we unite it with Christ, particularly when we unite our own challenges, our own sufferings, our own sacrifices and a sacrifice, um, is anything that we do not like, cannot change, did not choose, and don't understand. How many times a day do we run into those things? But when we unite it with Christ, then he brings about fruit. And so that's why uh, seeing the fruit in the vineyard, all the different apostolates, all the different efforts to uh, share the good news, to bring the good news to people. And it's not just about you know, talking about Jesus, but it's about being Jesus. And that's where the corporal and, and spiritual works of mercy come in. So yes, when, when we're loving people, you know, then we're being Christ. And when we do that, then they come to know his love. And then when he shows up, and he always does, but they become aware of him, then they're open and ready to say yes to him as well. Mm -hmm. Well said, because you talk about being a saint and the fact that we're all different humans where we've been given different gifts and talents, and we also have had different experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So everything that you're saying, I think what it spells out is how God gives that mission to all of us. Mm -hmm. And really our job from what I'm hearing from you is, is basically to be able to say yes, right? Mm -hmm. And, yep. and I would also add that, you know, there's going to be times where, yes, we do fail, but it, just knowing that God loves us, that we can get back up again. And we mm -hmm. have our sacramental life, which can also bring us back on the journey. Mm -hmm. uh, not to be too hard on ourselves, you know, because God knows how hard it is and um, we can get back up again. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's, in my opinion, I think that's part of being a saint too, is just being able to continue right? With, with any mm -hmm. of the challenges that happen, like say, look at last year and all the challenges that a lot of us had and being able to still continue on this journey with Christ and in the sacramental life. 
Absolutely. Um, a former pastor of mine, uh, and, and it's been said by many people, but the difference between a, a saint and a sinner is the fact that the saint got up one more time after they fell than, than the sinner did. Um, so it, it's about perseverance. Um, and, uh, and the only way that we can truly persevere is to trust, um, mm -hmm. to trust that even if it's up until the last moment that I'm struggling with, even with profound and deep sin in my life, but trusting that God is God and God is able to make me a saint if that's his will and trusting that because he does love me, of course, it's his will. Of course, of course he wants, wants that, but I have to freely choose it. He's never going to force it on me. And that's something of where sometimes, uh, you know, in conversations with, with people, they'll be like, Oh, well, you know, God will forgive me. He's merciful. Absolutely. But that doesn't give us, a, you know, a, a, a blank check to go and to do things that we know are not in accordance with his will. And to say, well, Lord, you're merciful. Therefore, you're going to you know, forgive me. Um, and, and that's where going back to, to mortal sin, you know, it's about the fact of it's not just his grave matter, but it's the fact that we know it's grave matter. And then the third is, is that we still choose it. And that's where choice comes into play. Um, I, I am praying big time that the fact of my own ignorance of God's plan, especially in my personal life, in the sense of for my relationships with people. And, you know, because I mean, as I alluded to, you know, in the, in the first part, you know, as sharing my journey, my, my personal life was completely disordered. Um, and it was something of where, you know, um, I don't brag about it, but the reality is, is that I know that I have broken all 10 of those commandments at some point in my life, but at the time, my, I'm praying that my ignorance is what I'll be able to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Um, and, you know, and that's where I, I, I pray that his mercy is, is true and real, which my own experience is that it is, but even so, I don't presume upon it. So I don't get to say, oh, well, I know that it's wrong, and you know, but I'm going to choose to do it anyway. Freedom of choice, saying yes, that's the biggest one. And, uh, you know, we know that going back all the way to Adam and Eve. <laughs> yeah, well said, well said. And, you know, it all blends in together also with your own mission with the say yes, right? Mm -hmm. Say yes to holiness. So you're saying no to sin, right? And yes mm -hmm. to following on the path with God and, and mm -hmm. loving God and, and being on that journey with him every moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I wondered if you could spend the rest of the show, we have about 10 minutes left or so, uh, telling us more about your own ministry. It's called, you know, the Say Yes to Holiness Ministry. Mm -hmm. I know that you right. do work with clients and, you know, helping people with mm -hmm. spiritual direction and other things and your podcast. So tell right. us all about those things so people can learn more. Yeah. So um, what's happened is, is that, um, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, time, I began with a blog. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was because I had a lot of people who were asking me the same questions. And I was like, well, let me capture this. And then from there, it then led into you know, a book. Um, and, uh, you know, but also uh, along the way, um, you know, in, in prayer and in my own ministry, what became evident was, is that, <clears throat> Um, there's two pieces of the puzzle. So if you think of the cross, there is the vertical relationship, our relationship with God that we have to be attentive to and we have to be pursuing sanctity and holiness. But then it's also the recognition that everything that we have been given is a grace. And although we benefit from it, it's not for us. It's for everyone. So that's the horizontal. And that's where it's Everything that's been given to me is to be able to, you know, benefit other people. So that really then began to um, to focus, you know, me uh, of trying to inspire and encourage and accompany people, and then my own ministry of, you know, experiences of what are the best practices, what are the things that we need to be about. So things like, you know, uh, interpersonal relationships and coming to know one another in friendship, doing it within small groups, uh, the fact that. We need to be attentive to helping people, you know, live out their lives and hold them accountable. And, you know, so all of those different things <clears throat> then have resulted in 
sharing that. And I found along the way that I very much enjoy, um, you know, doing interviews, doing podcasts, and uh, also uh, with our online world now, uh, primarily uh, really came to the fore because of COVID, um, but video. Uh, video is the way that we speak with one another. Uh, people are always watching video. They're always listening. Um, you know, so like the new Clubhouse app that just started out um, and it's uh, in beta and it's only for iPhones right now. But so many people are jumping on there because it's about conversation. And I personally think that a lot of the reason why it's so popular right now is because people haven't been able to have conversations with so many people from around the world for so long because we haven't been going to conferences, we haven't been interacting with people. So here's a way that I can interact with someone and I can be in my PJs uh, or drinking my coffee because it's like being on a big party line on a telephone, but it gives you the opportunity to be able to be in a room with people that you never would uh, think to be in the, in, in the room with. So people like Oprah or, you know, uh, you know, uh, people like Elon Musk or, you know, um, but just also for us to be able to interact. So all of that has, you know, uh, created the movement of where you have the opportunity to be able to dive deeper into different aspects of my ministry um, in a special way. Um, I use the podcast as a way to give food for the head, heart, hands, and feet. So again, that holistic formation um, perspective. And, uh, and then also to introduce uh, my audience to great resources and people out there who are doing great work that they might find to be a benefit. So like the own work that you're doing with, um, you know, uh, with, with those who are in crisis, you know, to be able to introduce people and they go, oh, you know, Christina said something about, you know, and let me, you know, and so it's all about being able to, to help and to share. So um, into that, I do, um, you know, speaking, uh, but uh, the, probably the biggest thing is uh, the, the Camino of where I put my money where my mouth is uh, and I go deep with people for a year, um, you know, of those who want to uh, become uh, more properly ordered. They want to put their, you know, faith first. Did we talk about putting first things first and how do we go about that? So um, it's a mix of, uh, you know, a lot of people might say that's mentoring and, and I, I, you know, differentiate. Mentoring is focused about being present and accompanying you to help you hear the Holy Spirit's voice in your, in your life while coaching and things that are happening on the Camino are about my being a guide. So it, it, lots of times people misunderstand what spiritual mentorship and direction is. Um, and mentorship and direction is designed in order for the other person to be able to reflect back to you what you are speaking about and how the Holy Spirit is working and to help you be able to go, you know, you just said this, you know. So there is a differentiation between coaching and mentoring. Um, and so I enjoy both very much. Um, and uh, so I, I tend to be, uh, you know, no nonsense about accountability. And I'll say the hard thing, um, but I try to say it with love. Um, it used to be that I wasn't as loving. I wasn't willing to, the good of the other as much. Uh, I hope that I do now. But, um, but for, for many people, it's the right blend of what they need at that time in their life. So at the end of the year, what they have found is, is that uh, their life is revolving around, you know, their relationship with God first, and then everything else is, is kind of in order so that, you know, has their life um, you know, it, it, have they set aside, you know, uh, you know, all possessions and no, that's not what it's about, but rather it's about coming to that deeper understanding of who they are, what they are and where they are and how are they being called to live it out and then creating that structure in which they can do it. So, um, so that, that's a part of what I do. Um, I'm a huge, uh, um, Marvel, MCU, DC, you know, a, a popular culture fan, a lover of books um, and movies and TV shows. And so I'll, I'll delve into that. Um, but I come at it from a, um, from a perspective of where is God in this? Where, where are the universal messages and themes? And helping people be able to uh, recognize those, um, you know, uh, very much. Uh, so like going back, you know, a decade, um, you know, Harry Potter was huge. And so many people were like, 
oh my gosh, you know, Harry Potter, demonic, evil, etc. And it's just like, wait, if you actually read them, even if J.K. Rowling, you know, the author, you know, is is not speaking about Christ, you know, there are Christian imagery and themes throughout. And if you look at the journey of the main character, Harry, throughout, he is having to master a particular virtue in each of the books so that by the time he gets to the last book, he is able to truly love, to sacrifice himself out of love for others. Um, and that's what we're all called to. So the journey of the everyman, Joseph Campbell's the 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 myth, uh, you know, the hero myth, and uh, and how that impacts us. Um, so, uh, in, in fact, that was my master's work. Uh, you know, uh, was on the power of story for living of authentic Christian discipleship. Uh, and uh, so, you know, looking towards uh, story and how does that play, and that's a huge part. Um, of our journey because it is the sharing of our story that then we come to see its value but then others are able to see themselves and think wow if Christina was able to get her life in order for the most part there might be hope for me um, and that's where our you know sharing is so important and so many people will say Oh, what do I have to share? I'm just me. You know, what my story is not important. And oh, au contraire, <laughs> everybody's story is important. And uh, and that's that's the beauty of of our God, is that each of us is that unique and unrepeatable sign of His presence in the world. And so, what happens is is that when we share our story, then our story is able to impact. It could be, you know, I joke and I tell people, Jesus had 12. Why do we think that we should impact more than 12 people in our life? I never heard that before. I like that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Because if you think about it, those really personal relationships that we have where you, like you shared a story and then someone else shares their story Mm -hmm. And then there's like sort of a camaraderie that comes about. Mm -hmm. That is, yep. that is not uh, an, an occurrence that happens very often in life, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. you're right. That that makes so much sense. Thanks for sharing that. And um, thank you so much for sharing all that you shared during the show, because I think you've whet the appetite of some of our, our audience to get in <laughs> touch with you to either buy your book, go on your website, mm -hmm. or to even make that appointment. So say if someone is watching and thinking, I would like to do like a consult do you mm -hmm. do like say one free consultation or anything like that just to get to know someone? How does that work? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and in fact, uh, probably the easiest way to get into my ecosystem or finding out everything that's going on is to go to the website. And as soon as you get there, a pop-up shows up saying, do you want to be a part of the newsletter? And so I send out a weekly Say Yes to Holiness newsletter. It's in the same format of where it's food for the head, heart, hands, and feet. Um, and and uh, so I share um, either uh, some short meditations or, you know, saint quotes from saints and then a little short reflection and then a resolution. Because for me, it's always about the, the resolution um, of how do we put this into our daily life. But when you're signed up for that, then um, at the bottom of everything that I do, um, you know, all of my posts, blog posts, all that kind of thing, but also in my newsletter is if you want a free consultation, click here and you can sign up for a free 15 minute consultation and be glad to talk with you. Um, and I always tell people that um, anytime that I do a consultation, it's never about a hard sell of, hey, you know, do this or that. Rather, it's about where are you, what are you struggling with, and what is the best resource for you right now for you to be able to continue on your spiritual journey. And that's a win-win for me. Um, and, uh, so, because uh, what we believe is that when we get to heaven, we get to see all the people that we we touched. And if Jesus goes and he points to this vast multitude and he goes, those are all the people that were impacted by your work. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm good, you know, so, um, but, but that's also why I do other things, you know, within my ministry, like pay what you want and, you know, different things. So it, it's something of where it's never about you know, do you have the, the money or do you have, you know, it's always something of where if you're thirsty, you know, come and, uh, you know, 
but uh, but on the other hand too, you know, hey, laborer deserves our wages in the vineyard as well. So um, I know that God provides as I need, um, and uh, as I need, not necessarily as I want. Um, and that's always uh, our own journey uh, in the midst of uh, worldly influences too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for doing wonderful work. Honestly, I'm, I do get your newsletter and I enjoy it. So thank you for your mm -hmm. beautiful work that you're doing uh, for the vineyard, as we've been talking about here mm -hmm. on the Solemnity of St. Joseph. Please do come back again to Journeys in Faith. I wondered if you had any final words before we end. Um, probably the biggest thing is that uh, we, we still have a couple of weeks of Lent and uh, before we celebrate uh, the great, you know, the great Triduum. And regardless of what your journey has been up to this point, just go deep for the remainder of the time that that's being given to us. Um, God will always be abundant in his graces and outpouring of graces if we but ask and we say, yes, Lord, you know, please give me give me what it is that you desire to give me. Um, so uh, just just go deep with the rest of this time. And, and I can tell you that you will have a profound Easter, uh, you know, if you, if you're able to do that. Amen. Thank you so much, Christina. So mm -hmm. everyone, we will see you here next week on Journeys in Faith. Amen. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv. And be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis.